You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Thursday the 26th of May. Pleasant bright morning here in TW11. Good racing today as well in the UK. The most prestigious evening fixture of the season. The Brigadier Gerard at Sandown Park being one of the highlights. The Henry II the other. And there's been 8mm of rain overnight. Ground there is good to soft. Connections of Trushan, horse who'd be pointing towards the Gold Cup at Ascot, might be ruining their decision not to run. Won't be too much of a problem for Bay Bridge. Very exciting horse in the Brigadier Gerard itself. And we'll be talking to James Savage, assistant to his trainer, Sir Michael Stout, in a few moments' time. Not only about that horse, but also, of course, about their derby favourite, Desert Crown. Torquato Tasso makes his reappearance a little later in the week on Sunday at Baden-Baden and we'll be talking to the assistant trainer of the arc hero Julia Romick about what is a comprehensive campaign that is being mapped out for him perhaps culminating in an audacious bid for the Japan Cup after he's added a second arc and confidence appears to be high that he's a better horse than he was last year that's to come plus I'll be talking to Gemma Waterhouse at Racing Welfare you've still got a chance to join their great racing welfare cycle should you so wish in the middle of July but thoughts very much still with the Derby, the Kazoo Derby at the end of next week. And for all Desert Crown has been hogging quite a bit of the limelight, there are plenty of trainers who fancy their chances this year. We've heard David Menuisier saying his horse shouldn't be a 66-1 to 1 shot. Simon Crisford saying his horse shouldn't be a 50-1 to 1 shot. The Johnston saying their horse shouldn't be a 33-1 to 1 shot. Jonathan Harding uh, is a writer on the Racing Post and penned a column earlier this week about the uh, dominance of the big battalions and why it might be a bad thing for the sport. Somewhat at right angles to that, Jonathan. Lots of people seem to have a horse for this year's Blue Ribbon. Have any of them got a chance against Coolmore and Godolphin, do you think? Well, it looks like an incredibly open race and it doesn't lack for quality at the same time, which is which is fitting for the derby. I think absolutely the outsiders have a chance and I think Royal Patronage in particular is incredibly interesting. High clear of, of course, already sprung a classic surprise this season with Cachet. They're having a great time of it. And Royal Patronage was, okay, beaten comprehensively by Desert Crown in the Dante, but he's 33 to 1, while Desert Crown is a short price favourite. And I don't think there is that big a gap between them. He's a course winner, and he's obviously got this two year old form with the Guineas winner, Caribus, as well. So I think if you're getting 33 to 1 about Royal Patronage, that's an enormous price for a horse who's proven at the track and clearly can mix it with the very best of them. So Royal Patronage for you at a price. And this ties in quite neatly with a column that you wrote in the Racing Post earlier in the week and sort of runs slightly at right angles to it as well. I mean, there are a lot of people, a lot of um, other people getting involved in the derby bar just Coolmore and Godolphin, it seems. At least want to take their chance in it. I suppose the point I was suggesting was that I wouldn't like to see a situation whereby too much power is in the hands of too few trainers. You don't want to be in a sort of Man City, Paris Saint-Germain situation where the best keep getting better and the smaller trainers are squeezed out and don't have opportunities. Like you say, the fact that we have 
is promising chances at the derby for trainers outside of your Charlie Applebee's and Aidan O'Brien is an incredibly encouraging sign um, because without competition, we, we don't have a sport. So that was the sort of point I was making. But like you say, this is, this is a, a good example of a race where every trainer does have an opportunity. And like, like you said, the, the outsiders have got good chances. So, so Jonathan, would, would you be in favour of something a little bit more Japanese, if you like? Um, in, in terms of the way that our horses are distributed, that you can only have a certain amount of horses in one yard? Or would that kind of strategy be sort of legally challenged here? Certainly not a strong proponent for bringing in drastic changes that limit competition, because like I said, it is a meritocracy, it is a business, and the best or the biggest businesses are going to thrive, and quite rightly, because of the work they've put in. And I um, certainly wouldn't begrudge Charlie Appleby, Aidan O'Brien, and equally Mullins and co., getting sent those best horses because uh, they've got a proven track record. In terms of Japan, I just felt it was an incredibly interesting example because of, A, look how successful they've been on the track. And you still have the quality differences between the yards, but numerically you're not going to have yards that are stomping all over the others because they have 10 times the number of horses. In the long-term interest of the sport, we don't want too many of the good horses to get in too few hands is something that needs to be considered and, and looked at. I, I wouldn't sort of, I haven't got any strong ideas about what the solution is because I'm not sure there is any one solution. But I would be mindful of anything that that is considered. You don't want to stamp on that competitive spirit because it, like you say, it would be challenged and quite rightly. Now you took a bit of heat for articulating this in your in your racing post column and I guess it's a bit cruel to hold up a race that's an, an example that that slightly proves the rule. But just sort of talk me through what you were thinking when you sat down to write it. Well, it naturally, it, it was, well, the point of a column is to encourage debate. And it was just a case of looking at what might be done long term, whether racing does it indeed even need to do anything. It was just, it was a case of sort of talking around that issue. And I don't have the solution. I don't think anybody does, but it's something that needs to be uh, just in the back of people's minds that the long-term competitiveness of the sport is incredibly important and football is having a similar situation. I think every sport needs to look at itself and look at whether certain clubs and and bodies are getting too powerful, too having too much control and too much firepower over the rest of them. I mean, it's it's been the case between the Premier League and lower league football for a while. We now have it with the sort of mega clubs that the big, sometimes unchecked, will continue to get bigger and bigger. And in football, we have financial fair play. In American football, there's measures that sort of stop those big clubs completely dominating. And I'm not saying racing is in a position just yet where that's a huge problem. But I was sort of having a look and saying, well, just have it in the back of your mind that we don't want a situation where the sort of biggest yards grow so big that the competition is affected as a result. All right. Well, things are rocking and rolling at Freemason Lodge at the moment. And it's great to welcome James Savage, assistant trainer to Michael Stout, back to the back to the podcast. You've got a ton of runners today, but everyone's looking forward to seeing Desert Crown at the back end of next week. Favourite for the derby. James, how's he doing? Yeah, he's, he's doing really well, Nick. You know, we, we were we we're absolutely, you know, very pleased with what he did at York. And if, if we're completely honest, you know, he didn't show us that at home previous to that. So it, it, it was very good to see. And he just he's just such a professional. 
and um, we're yeah we're very happy back at home. So we're looking forward to next weekend. It, it's quite interesting that both you there and Sir Michael after the race were sort of saying he'd almost exceeded the expectations at York a little bit, but surely not that much given how much money there was for him for the Derby going into York. There was clearly a feeling that he was very good, even if he hadn't shown you his full hand. I think there was there, there was there was an article written in, in, in the Racing Post um, about how quick his time was in in that Nottingham uh, maybe in the autumn and visually you know he, he was very impressive especially when Richard just uh, asked him to extend the last half of furlong so I think I think it was more of a fact that when when Luxembourg came out people were looking for an alternative and an unbeaten cult of some you know Sir Michael Stouts that holds entries in the Dante etc it was appealing to most but you know he looked after himself in the morning so we did not see we did not see anything electric you know he was pleasing us and we were happy to go to the Dante but we didn't see anything electric to be yeah to to to, to warrant that sort of market move but there we go they got it right <laughs> James you've been involved in horses like this before um you've been at, at Sir Michael's a long time what do you want to see ideally between the time they have that prep and the time that you take them to Epsom do you want to see anything different in the in those two weeks or do you just want to keep them ticking over no, well, you, you don't need to see anything, uh, Nick. If, if if his if his work maintains the same sort of sort of you know a, a, a same sort of regime and and he just keeps a level head, you're happy with that. You, you can you can you can push too far to be looking to see something when you've already seen it on the rest of So it's all about maintaining his mentality and just and his health and well-being. And yeah, we don't need to see anything electric now. To be fair. Now, I know you've got a busy day and I know you're just pulling second lot out. You're clearly very happy with, with Desert Crown. Uh, you've got another a horse who we don't think, I don't think we've got to the bottom of running in the Brigadier Gerard this evening, Bay Bridge. He's got the Prince of Wales entry as well. Uh, you'd think, given where he's trained and how he's bred, that he's the horse who's going to improve at four. What have you seen this spring to encourage, to encourage us, if anything? You know he's he's he, he's a big, real big, nice horse, and he he's matured even more. And you know the Brigadier Gerard is a, is a race where the boss loves to start off a nice middle distance horse that we could, we could get quite excited about in the later in the year. So it's a great starting point. Um, he's pleasing us at home. I think the 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 the, the favourite of Mr Gosden's and also the Haggis horse, Adaya, has been a superstar. Um, it's going to be a tough. It's a, it's a tougher renewal this year than than most years. So, we're, but we're happy with where we're at, and um, it'll tell us where we go going forward. We think he he'll, he'll stay twelve furlongs. So the, the, there's that option, but we hold all the entries in, in the, the, the the top class ten furlong races. So tonight will tell us a lot. But we're very happy with where we're at. With it. Do you think tonight will determine whether you go Prince of Wales or Hardwick at Royal Ascot? I think you're right there. Yeah, yeah. I think it will determine. Yeah, we'd right. have to we'd have to be very competitive tonight to to warrant running in a Prince of Wales, etc., and the Eclipse and races like that. But yeah, so, so it, it, it always tells us a lot. A race like this, the Gordon Richards and Sanders, so the, the races that we like to plan nice horses with in the spring, so that we know where we're going in the summer. All right, and just finally, uh, James, before you go. Uh, you you said to me you might have a you might have a nice little team lined up for for Epsom at the at the back end of next week. Uh, apart from Desert Crown, who are you most looking forward to? Oh, we've got Potter Pover in 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 the, in the Group Three 
Phillies race, the Princess Margaret, and we may have a nice horse in the handicap, the Ten Furlong handicap. New dimension, and, and we've also got some entries for the Queen, so that'd be nice and uh, just fine. We'll hold an entry in, in the mile and a half race, but none of them are certain to go. But we could have a nice team going there, hopefully. All right, that was James Savage, assistant trainer to Sir Michael Stout. Um, Desert Crown reportedly worked extremely well this morning. Um, he's clearly a very talented horse who's, who's moving forward all the time. Bay Bridge, very interesting this evening, Jonathan Harding, because if if you look at the, the, the Prince of Wales is betting at the moment for Royal Ascot, he's 16 to 1. And if you think, well, at AR, we don't really know what sort of nick he's in. We don't really know what Mishrif is going to do. That leaves you with the Japanese horse, Sharia, who's clearly very well respected. And then you'd fancy a crack at the rest of them, to be honest. So if he goes and wins tonight, he becomes a very interesting horse. He certainly does, and he'll be a hell of a lot shorter if he wins this evening as well. And he looks to have an incredible chance. Four from four in his three-year-old campaign. It was a really good winner at Newmarket, I thought, in his last start of the season. And this is a race that Sir Michael Stout's won 11 times. So it's, it's, certainly, not, uh, it's certainly not out of the blue that he'd um, go and win it this evening. Uh, it's, it's interesting to see... Well, it's great to see, rather, Sir Michael Stout having, I'm loath to call it a resurgence because he's always had good horses and he's always been around, but this having this sort of top draw horse like a, a Baybridge and a Desert Crown is, is really exciting. So um, looking forward to seeing Baybridge back out again this season. Whether he just needs the run, I don't know, but he'll certainly be very interesting for Royal Ascot if he bolts up at Sandown. Yeah, it might be interesting for Royal Ascot either which way, whether it's an encouraging run building towards a Hardwick or whether it's a sparkling return pointing towards a clash with some of the, the real smart horses in the, in the Prince of Wales' stakes. I thought just in that interview there, just quietly, the interesting part was that they're lining one up for the 10 furlong handicap at Epsom. They've got a couple for the Queen who could go to Epsom. They've got a Derby favourite. This is like this is like stout of a decade, a decade and a half ago, really. And it, it sort of makes nostalgists feel good. But your point to the competitors of the sport, you want as many big stables firing as possible, don't you? No, exactly right. Exactly right. And it's, it's good to see. It's always good when we have different trainers winning these big races. And it's great to see Sir Michael Stout back on, I said, loads, like I say, not firing on all cylinders, but back competing and having these real live chances, serious horses in the big races again. Well, the most high-profile horse reappearing this weekend anywhere uh, on the planet, really, is last year's Arc de Triomphe winner, Torquato Tasso. Very pleased to say that I'm joined by his assistant trainer, Julia Romick, who is on her way to the races now, but has taken time out to have a chat with me. Uh, Julia, it's it's great to see him back. How's he doing? Oh, he's, he's very good. He's very fresh. Uh, he had a long break after the arc, the arc and uh, he's ready for this season. It was a plan since his last uh, race for this season to to run in this race first. So we had so we had uh, time to give him a long break because um, he will... Uh, the season will be very long for him, um, and uh, he must be on 100% in September and October, not in May. Yeah, so he needs to be peaking for for a defence of his art crown. Uh, do you see a, a different horse this year? Has he has he done well for his break? Uh, 
Yeah, he's much stronger than last year. Physically, he's much stronger. He's more uh, adult than, than, than last year. And I think he's a bit better than last year. He's cooler. He's uh, uh, better with uh, stress situations and everything. He's, he's, now he's really adult. He's really finished now. <laughs> So the finished article in a, in a much better place mentally. Uh, what sort of what sort of performance are you expecting on Sunday? Um, on Sunday, we we thought it's not uh, at hundred percent at the moment, but we know that um, he's uh, uh, he gives everything at the race course, so we are sure he's running a good race. But uh, we're not sure to win this race, of course. So. We, we will see a good performance. That uh, I think that's sure. Uh, do, do you think that still he is he's an underestimated horse? That he's a better horse than people believe him to be? Yes. Uh, you know, he, he runs a lot in, in German races last year because the trainer always tried to, to find the easiest way for the horse. And um, all these forms are, are not uh, easy to read for, for the English and the French um, racing people. So um, we were always sure that we have uh, in the stable, um, but uh, it was not easy to read um, for, for other people. And... Um, I think, yeah, the performance uh, in France, that was not uh, a one-day performance. We will see a good horse this year, for sure. If he, if he gets through this test okay on, on the weekend, when are we likely to see him in, in, in Britain or France or Ireland or wherever in the world? Yeah, we still have the, this plan like last year. Uh, next race for him will be in Hamburg, the Group 2 race he won last year. And uh, then we have two options. We can go to Esket or we can go to Berlin, like last year, where he finished second after um, Alpinista. And uh, we will see what the horse says, because for Esket, we need 100% as well. So we will see what the horse says, and then we will decide where to run this horse. Of course, ask it for the King George the Sixth and Queen Elizabeth Stakes, a race in which German horses have got a very good record. Uh, Dane Dream and Novelist were both impressive winners of the race. They both won on fast ground. Now, if it came up very quick at Ascot, would that be a problem for your horse, or do you actually think he's a bit more adaptable as regards the ground? Oh, he, he can he can go on every ground. He won uh, the group uh, the group two last year in Hamburg on on hard ground. He won the. Um, the Grand Prix de Berlin uh, on hard ground. He can every ground. He is maybe uh, a bit, no, not a bit better, but um, the races are, are, are run a bit uh, different when the, the ground is tough. And maybe this is um, a, a good advantage for him, but he can go on every ground. Um, well, we're looking forward to seeing him, Julia. I'm guessing, as you say, he's, he's going to have a long autumn to his to his season uh, with with a a look to, to going back to Longchamp to attain his art crown. Um, would you be looking at international targets beyond that as well? Um, I, uh, we have the plan. The plan is, is finished for the horse. He will run um, now. Um, after Esket, he goes back to Baden Baden for the Group One, then to Longchamp, back to Longchamp, and after Longchamp, he will get one more race in Japan when when he still feels good. And it will, that will be his last race. The plan is definitive and uh, he, 
done on, on the, the end of last year even. Perfect. So it's the, the ARC, Japan Cup, and then off to stud. Voila. And then he goes to stud and have a second career, we all hope so. Uh, Julia Rummish there, who's the assistant trainer, to uh, Marcel Weiss, the handler of Torquato Tasso, who makes a seasonal debut at Baden-Baden on Sunday, Jonathan Harding. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing him uh, and to see whether he can build on, on his arc triumph or replicate that sort of form. You know, wh- who is Torquato Tasso, we ask ourselves? Well, we're certainly asking ourselves in the aftermath of the race as well, because we'd I was fortunate enough to be there in October and we had these wonderfully best laid plans about uh, all the British and Irish contenders and what it would mean if Tanawa won, for instance. And again, a European horse came from absolutely nowhere and won and won very impressively. And you, I think everybody looked back at that form and thought, well, the signs were there, but we didn't quite we didn't quite see it or want to see it. But I've reported now from three arcs. I managed to get enable beat twice um, with Walt Geist and Sotsas. And just when it looked like Tanawa was coming with a run, we had Torquato Tasso come in. So it's, um, my advice would be don't overlook the continental European horses in the arc. And it will be very interesting to see whether he can uh, build again and have another crack at it this year. All right, time for our weekly check-in with our friends at Racing Welfare, and we are getting close to the deadline for entries for the Great Racing Welfare Cycle, which is one of the great fundraisers of the year. It takes place on the 16th to the 17th of July, and Racing Welfare's Chief Operating Officer, Gemma Waterhouse, is with me now. Gemma, we've drummed up an awful lot of interest in this, but there is still time for people to get on board, isn't there? There is. So um, I think I think we've got about 100 people signed up so far. Um, we've got quite a few promises in there and we're just trying to get people to make sure they jump online and register. Uh, so it's going to be a really, really big event and we'd be absolutely delighted if more people would come along and join us. So it's over the weekend of the 16th and 17th of July. Just tell us a bit more about the route and how long you've got to cycle and how if you're not maybe that proficient, it doesn't matter too much? Absolutely. So I have been out and I have cycled this track. So it's 30 kilometres out of uh, Cheltenham Racecourse. Uh, it, it starts quite flat, then you've got a bit of a punchy hill. And then after that, it's actually really quite pleasant. Uh, I managed it. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. You don't need a road bike. You can do it on a mountain bike uh, or any bike you like. Uh, really the challenge is to be able to continually or, or as a team continue for 24 hours so you do it as a team of four with two riding and two resting you don't need to have a team you can register as an individual and we'll put you in a team and actually to be honest I have got some spaces in my team that I'm looking to recruit into um, and you head off around this uh, route uh, where we're going to have uh, sort of jelly bean stops and ice cream stops all around the route to keep people's sugar up and and keep people entertained and allow them to have a little break um 
And then when you go back to base camp at Cheltenham, you'll tag team your partner who will then go out and do the same. And you can skin it however you want. You could do two loops and then tag team. You can do three and tag team. You can do one. You might choose to do something different through the night, through the night nighttime hours. And it's all professionally run by a company called Pi. Uh, so safety first. We've got medics. We've got uh, mechanics, spare bikes. We've got uh, the cheer squad from Racing Welfare will be there cheering everyone on. Uh, so it really is going to be a fantastic event that anyone can take part in. And of course, for a, a fantastic charity, Racing Welfare, uh, and this is a, a big part of your fundraising for the for the year. I think the sort of key message here is you don't want to be wheezing, but you don't need to be, you know, um, Chris Hoy. Exactly. And I had a I had a really good session with um, with a. Uh, a former Olympian and it's on our social media channel so you can have a look and it's on our website uh, and he gave me a training plan and it, it was really encouraging you know he basically says at the end of your training if you can cycle three hours to the pub have a pub lunch and cycle three hours back then you're pretty much there with your training so um, that, that's, <laughs> that's my aim is to get to the pub and back in a day. A few famous faces will be alongside you as well isn't, isn't that right? Yeah, so we've got Ben Pauling. He's actually putting in two teams from his yard, which is very impressive. AP McCoy is going to be doing it. Luke Harvey, Sheen Murphy, Matt Chapman, Sean Boyce, Vanessa Ryle, Rosie Tapner, Khadija Mella, Charlie Post, Connor Schumach, Harry Skelton's the latest sign-up. Will Kennedy's doing it. So loads of people from racing are going to come along. And so if if you're a racing fan, this is a brilliant event. You can cycle for hours alongside these guys and quiz them. only person who I haven't mentioned because no one will be able to keep up with him is Reese Flint, who is an absolute machine on a bike, and uh, he's in it uh, basically to push me up the hill. <laughs> Excellent, Gemma. Thanks so much. Thanks, Nick. All right, thanks to Gemma to all my guests today. Uh, Jonathan is still with me. Jonathan, you and our friend Lee Mottishead have been working on a special report for the Racing Post, which we can expect after the Derby. Into what exactly? Looking at the worrying trend of field sizes in Britain, which have been on the decline, looking at the reasons why that is, and most importantly, looking at the potential solutions, be it changes and things like that. So a lot to get our teeth into, spoken to an awful lot of people from various perspectives, bookmaker, racecourse, trainer, owner, uh, but hopefully going to get a grasp of what the situation is and what British racing can do about it, because it needs to do something quite sharpish all right and have you got a tip for me for this evening i do um i like the chances of wonder Starlzam in the 540 at sandown he's three from six since joining dennis coakley and has a lot more to offer over this trip after winning at windsor last time excellent jonathan thanks for your time thank you very much for listening thanks to my guest today we'll be back again tomorrow that was thursday may the 26th bye-bye You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.